quite a few years ago when I was in upper elementary school, there was a commercial campaign that used the phrase, I want to be like Mike. And so I don't know if you remember those. It was all about wanting to be like Michael Jordan. And so there were these, you know, I did not remember the entire song. So luckily we still have, you know, this thing called the internet that I can go and look on it. And so it talked all about, like, I want to be able to move. I want to be able to groove like Mike. Like, I want to be able to fly like Mike. And at the end of the commercial, it says, be like Mike drink Gatorade. And so it's like, all right, well, I would not have remembered that it was a Gatorade commercial set, but man, if you want to be able to be like him, you drink Gatorade. And I just thought about this idea that there are people that we look up to and it's like, I would love to be like them in some certain area, some capacity. Well, as Christians, as we're looking into God's word and we see what it is that he's called us to be, one of the things that sometimes we say is, I want to be like God. Now, that doesn't mean I want to be God, but I'd like to be like God. And sometimes we can grasp this idea of being like the Father. We don't say it very much as far as being like the Holy Spirit. It's kind of hard for us to grasp that. That's a kind of an abstract idea for a lot of us. But probably the most concrete really is the idea of, I see Jesus. Like, I see when he lived on this earth, and, and I want to be like him in so many ways. And for instance, I'd really love to be like him in just the way that he loves people way that he has compassion upon people and sees them for who they are and what their needs are. And he comes alongside of them. Man, I, I wish that I could love like Jesus. Or maybe it's a area of, I wish I could forgive like Jesus. I mean, even when he is completely in the right and he is upon the cross, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And it's like so many times I just want justice or I want them to feel what they've done to me. And I wish that I could be like Jesus in forgiveness. Or maybe some of you guys are in spots where you teach and you're like, man, I wish I could teach like Jesus. Or I wish my kids listened to me like, like the crowds would listen to Jesus. And so what do I need to do to become like that? Or, or maybe it's just simply when I look at Jesus and the way he lives, like it seems like each moment he's living with a purpose. He knows what is important, and I wish that I could be like him in that aspect. So we're talking about this idea of being like Jesus. And if you have your Bibles or your tablets or whatever, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4, because we're going to be there near the end of the sermon. Okay, we'll be at some other places first, but Hebrews chapter 4 is a place that we can all turn to and be in later. But as we're talking about this idea of being like Jesus today, there are two words that I want us to look at. Two areas that we can be like Jesus, and maybe we don't think about them very often. And so the first word is this, the idea of recreation. We can be like Jesus in our recreation. Now that word, when you look in the dictionary, it talks about a pastime or a diversion, exercise, some other resource that affords relaxation and enjoyment. And so when we talk about this idea of recreation, what do you do for fun? What do you do for a hobby? What do you use with your free time? This idea of recreation. And maybe I mentioned that and you're like, how am I supposed to be like Jesus in my recreation? Like, when I'm reading the Gospels, I'm not seeing Jesus play like one-on-one -on -one basketball. I'm not seeing him like knit this, you know, sweater for someone else. Like, how do I be like Jesus in my recreation? And to be honest, that's part of the reason why I enjoy, you know, the series by The Chosen right now that I've mentioned before. And I know a lot of you guys have watched it. But in one of the specific episodes, uh, Jesus is at a wedding banquet where he uh, turns the water into wine. And in this spot, like he's there celebrating the couple. 
and you see them having fun. And even they're dancing along with all the other disciples and they're even kind of making fun of them going, man, you cannot dance. And so you just see his humanity and being able to have fun in this moment. Or even there's another episode where they're like going to spend the night at someone's house. He's like, hey, we can have all of your disciples, all of your followers come. We've only got like five rooms, but you know, one of them is even haunted by my great grandmother. And you just see Jesus go, ooh, I'll take that one. And so like you see that Jesus is not just this little flanograph, you know, paper that we use, or he's not some stoic being coming and I'm just teaching you about the kingdom of heaven. Like he was completely human and he had fun while he was on this earth. And so I just think about this idea of our recreation, being like him. And so one of the verses that we looked at last week, we talked about work, was 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and it applies here too. And it simply says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so let me just ask, the things that you do for fun, the things that you do with your free time, are they things that bring honor to God. And I don't mean that you always have to point towards him and everything, but can they be used for his glory? You know, for our students, one of the things we would talk about is the things that you do on Friday night or Saturday night, do they match up with the way that you're living Sunday morning or not? You know, sometimes with adults, one thing we could talk about is what about the things that happen, you know, in the office or around the water cooler? Like, do they match up with the things, the way that you're acting Sunday morning, this area of recreation, the things that we do for fun, we want to make sure that we're following Jesus. We want to be like Jesus in this way and do it all for his honor and his glory. And again, this is even something that we can use as an evangelistic tool, which again, you may be like, really? I've never thought about that. For most people, maybe other than your workplace, the places that you do your recreation, the leagues that you're in, you know, the community groups that you're with, It is probably the biggest opportunity that you are around other people who might not yet believe in Jesus. And so the way that you interact in those moments, the way that you engage with people begins to open doors that maybe you might not be able to open otherwise. We're meeting people on their places, in their terms. And then when a relationship is built, how much greater of a chance is there that I'm going to respond going, yeah, Tell me about Jesus or let me come to you, let me come to church with you as opposed to when we just start immediately and try to start with where we're at. This idea of our recreation is something that we can use to lift up Jesus' name. And so we want to be like him in this area. But the second word is actually the one that I want to focus on the most today. And And it is very similar to this idea of recreation. In fact, there's just a hyphen put in it. The word is recreation. Okay, and again, you can take the hyphen out and it's still the same thing because, yes, one of the definitions of recreation was this idea of relaxation or enjoyment, but one of the other definitions talked a lot about refreshment. Refreshment. And so from the very beginning, God designed the way that you and I should live to have very specific times of recreation and fun, to have very specific times of recreation that we get back to who we are, very specific times of refreshment. So maybe you've heard that word Sabbath, okay, this idea. The, the meaning of the word Sabbath is the idea of to cease, to pull back from efforts, to end, or to rest from our labor. That's what the word Sabbath means. And so we see it right from the very beginning of creation. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, you see day after day after day of these first six days that God is creating everything, which we got up to day six last week. And then at the very beginning of chapter 2, you see that then on the seventh day, 
God rested. But it wasn't because he was fatigued. It's not because he was tired. Instead, he used that day for reflection, for satisfaction, for celebration. It was in that moment that he was able to enjoy all that he had done, and he really did begin to interact with mankind. And as I think about that, I'm like, well, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that you and I, we ought to observe these Sabbath days, these moments where we stop our labor, and not just when we're tired. Because sometimes when we're tired, when we're feeling burnt out, like we've already missed the opportunity to do it. In fact, it's something that we need to put regularly into our schedule. It kind of reminds me, I've heard that, you know what, if you're thirsty already, you haven't drank enough water. In fact, you're already mildly dehydrated. If we get to that point that we're already burnt out or worn out, we probably haven't taken moments of rest the way that we should. But we don't just have to look at creation. I mean, right in Exodus chapter 20, when Moses is given the Ten Commandments, commandment number four right there has to do with this topic. And so in chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, this is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And so it's not just God giving us this example. Then he comes back and says, this is something that you need to do. It's not just a suggestion. God knows how things work the best for us. And so he sets this up. And then maybe you don't know this, but there's also something that uh, the Jewish people observed called the Sabbath year. So not just the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath year. And in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, we read about it. And it says this in the first five verses. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, speak to, the Lord, or speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. And so even here, you see this idea that every seven years, the land needs rest. It needs to be able to get the nutrients back again to be able to be productive in the years to come. And so there's this idea of rest. In fact, our church has now adopted over the past couple of years this thing called a sabbatical. Maybe you've heard about it. Other churches do it as well. And that when our ministers are here seven years, there's a break that we want them to take to be able to refresh, renew. Now, it's not a year-long break, but we want them to be able to come back the way that God has encouraged them and, and be ready to go again. And all of this comes from this idea of the Sabbath year. We want to stay biblical. And so you're seeing all this rest, but we're not done. There's also this thing called the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament that happened every 50 years. And what happens is it's in Leviticus 25 as well. And it says, when it gets to this 50th year, if things were difficult for you and you had to sell off some of your land because you needed resources, you needed money, in that 50th year, you are to get your land back. 
because genealogies and people knowing the land and ancestry was really a big deal. And so every 50 years, you were supposed to get your land back in this year of Jubilee. Not only that, if things were tough and you had to sell yourself to become a servant or a slave of someone else, in that 50th year, you were given your freedom. Now, some people chose to stay and continue to work for their master because it was a great setup and they loved that. But if you didn't want to, at that 50th year, you were given the chance to have your freedom yet again. And in that 50th year, the land was also to rest. So this year of Jubilee, full of freedom and rest. And, and as I mention all these things, like I wonder if you just kind of can hear how important it is for us to rest. Like God wants us to restart, to recreate. Like God wants his people to slow down. I think that's important for us to hear. And if you think that this is just an Old Testament principle, then I might encourage you to, to look at Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, he observes the Sabbath days, you know, as the Jewish customs were, but there are so many times that he takes the moments in the days that he needs to be with Jesus. He consistently, or to be with God, he consistently withdraws from the people, from daily life activities, from the pressures of his ministry to be with the Father. Like his solitude and his silence is a major theme that you read throughout the Gospels. In fact, his connection with the Father is what really gives him the strength to be able to have compassion and wisdom and take whatever is thrown at him within the day. You know what? And I just think about this. If Jesus needed to take a Sabbath day with everything that was going on in his life, why do we think that we can function without it? Like, why do we think that we can make it through just continuing to push through and not take the moments of break that we were designed to do? Now, you need to understand Sabbath does not mean doing nothing. Sometimes we think, well, I can't just spend a whole day doing absolutely nothing. That's not what Sabbath means either. It means a purposeful rest, a chance to refocus, a chance to focus on God, a chance to reset. It's not a day even just to do different things that this is my day that I'm doing the honeydew list because you know that is not refreshing whatsoever. And so God gives us this chance to be in Sabbath. There's a connection between work and rest and exertion and this idea of renewal. There's a principle that shows this balance that we need work and productivity, but you have to have rest and recreation as well. I came across a saying this week that simply said, taking a break is not an interruption to the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Now, what Jesus did design it for us to be able to take those moments to refresh. And I think about a book that I read when I was in college uh, by John Ortberg, and it's called The Life You've Always Wanted. And one sentence that he says is, for some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do right now is put this book down and take a nap. And his college students were like, we're being spiritual, taking a nap. But what he was meaning is, you know what? You and I, we cannot love someone else if we're at the end of our rope. Like if we are completely spent, we cannot treat our family the way we need to. We cannot invest in people the way we need to. And so for some of us, there are moments that we need to take those moments to just take a breath, to rest. 
Christmas. Last week I was looking around and I saw an illustration by uh, Dr. Tony Evans. And he said there were these two men who are foresters. And this one day they were going to have a contest to see who could chop down more trees. And so they had the regular eight-hour day and they were ready to work. And so the horn went off. One of the guys was younger. The other guy was older. And the guy who's younger, he's stronger. And he's like, I think I've got this, you know. And so immediately when that horn goes off, he goes to town. He's chopping down tree number one, gets done with it, immediately goes to tree number two. And just thinking, I'm going to outperform this older guy over here. Well, he starts working as well and chops his first tree down and then moves his way to the second tree and all that kind of stuff. But the younger man at one point looks over and sees that the older gentleman is sitting in the shade for a little bit. He's like, ha, this is going to help me out a lot. So he keeps working hard and later sees he's back to work. But again, notices later he's sitting down again. And so it gets to the end of the day, the horn goes off, and it's time to find out who chopped down more trees. And so the younger man, he's kind of like, you know, standing straight up tall, shoulders back. Yeah, this is going to be good. He said, in the eight-hour workday, I chopped down 25 trees. How'd you do, old man? And so the man just says, well, 25 is a good number. In this day, I was able to chop down 40 trees. To which the younger man is like almost going crazy. He's like, how in the world were you able to do that? I saw you sitting down like five to 10 minutes every single hour. How are you able to outperform me? To which the man said, well, when I was taking those rests every hour, there were two things that I was doing. One, I was allowing my body to refresh, to recuperate. The second thing was I was sharpening my axe. And I think about that statement And there's a lot of us that we're pushing hard. We're going, 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 going. But what essentially we're doing is we're trying to chop down trees with a dull axe because we're not taking the moments to refresh, to refocus the way that we need to do. And so what I remember a few years ago, kind of even being challenged about this idea of Sabbath, that a lot of times I think about, hey, I work six days so that the seventh day can be a rest. It's almost like a reward. And that's totally fine if we want to see it that way. But what if we shifted it and the idea that I am going to rest and renew and be recreated so that then the six days afterwards, I've already got the energy to do it. It's not a thing at the end. Either way you view it is fine, but I would tell you that the truth is still the same. We need our Sabbath moments. We need our times to relax. And so what does that look like for you? What can that look like for you? Like maybe it means making sure that you're spending time with the family of God. And that can mean here, but it also means, man, I'm being with a group of people, being able to seriously talk about life and not just do it myself. For some, it may mean the idea of simplifying. And that could be saying no to things in your life, but it also could mean, hey, in this time period, during this day, that's when we're saying no to other things. Like we want to be able to purposely focus on such and such during this time. For some of you, what that means is part of your Sabbath is making sure that you have specific family time, that we're going to do something. And, and maybe not just watching a television show, but we're going to do something where we get to interact, where we get to speak in to each other, where we get to enjoy some activities together. Maybe in this idea of Sabbath, I might ask you, what is it that refreshes you? Like, does going for a walk refresh you? Does doing some sort of artsy, crafty kind of thing really get you excited and you feel um, just refreshed afterwards? Maybe it's like sitting at a pond and and going fishing. Maybe it's listening to certain music, reading a book. What I would tell you is part of Sabbath is this idea of doing things that help recreate you into who God has made you to be. And I'll also tell you this. Like you can walk out of here and say, that's a great idea, but I just can't do it. 
Like we can refuse God's rest and God will still love you. Like you're still going to be saved. You don't have to worry about any of that aspect. Man, what if I can't do this? But I will tell you this, that if you walk out of here without trying to apply these Sabbath principles, you're going to miss out on an aspect that God wants you to experience in this lifetime. And I get that sometimes you're like, but have you seen my family or my calendar and all those things? Like I have no time to be able to rest. Like I hear that and I know there are phases in life that are tougher than others. But I would just simply remind you of this. Without rest, you're chopping down trees with a dull axe. And so look for those moments that you can be refreshed by the Spirit of God. And so at the beginning, I had you turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Because in Hebrews chapter 3, the author has said, hey, do you remember the Israelites back here? They chose not to believe what God had said, and so they didn't get to go into the promised land. They did not get to experience the rest that he wanted them to have. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, here's what the author says, (coughs) starting at verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And now we who have believed, we enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. And therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, but they did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. So let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. There's a lot in there that maybe you're even like, what exactly does that mean? How does that refer to things? Here's what I want you to know. Like all throughout the Old Testament, you see God says, I want your bodies to be able to experience this rest, this renewal, this moment of refocusing on God and who you are. But then as we look at this, there's also this idea that we can have rest even amongst the chaos that is our daily lives. We can still experience this rest. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8 or 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you this rest. And so this rest is, man, I have a relief that I don't have to do all these religious works just to be liked by Jesus. I don't have to strive spiritually to attain some goal before he says, that's enough. I now accept you in. Like we can have this rest because we have been saved. If we have chosen Jesus, we have been saved. We're not trying to figure out what do I need to do to earn it. 
We have this rest because we're living from a position of acceptance. That Jesus says, I choose you. It's not that I still have to earn my acceptance. And when we get that, man, there can be rest. Even in a moment of craziness, we can have rest that Jesus offers to us. And I'll tell you, this passage speaks of a day to come. A day where there will be perfect rest. To those who follow after him, to those who believe in him, a perfect rest forever. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. And so, if we're singing a song, I want to be like Jesus. There's a lot of ways that we can be like Jesus in loving and teaching and forgiving. But one of the ways, if we really want to live like him, is this area of recreation. What do we do for fun? Or this moment of being recreated, this refreshment, and taking these moments to be like him. Because I know that once we walk out these doors, it's going to be crazy again. We're going to take some moments of Sabbath right now. So we're going to have a few minutes that you can choose to use it however you need. Although I would tell you, don't think about the things you got to do later. That's not restful. But maybe it's simply being still and knowing that He is God. Maybe there are things uh, in the world that are going on that just are burdening your heart, and you want to just spend some time praying for those. Maybe it's, God, I've been praying about these things, and I'm just trying to listen. I, don't, I can't tell you what I want you to do, but I want you to spend the next few moments simply in His presence and feeling refreshed and renewed. So let's take a couple minutes here just in Sabbath. <laughs>